0: 411 Live. Where
1: well, you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay of world.
0: 411 Live. Real people, real talk.
1: Made to help people in our community in every way. your girl. 411
0: Live. Sex trafficking is occurring in all 72 counties of Wisconsin. So it's not just the Milwaukee problem. It's a statewide problem. But it's not just a Wisconsin problem. It's a U.S. problem. It's happening everywhere. And it's not just the U.S. problem. It's a world problem. It's happening internationally. That is why the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk, has taken on this topic because it's so vast. And we want to continue the conversation on this and put this topic to the forefront. We welcome your comments, your suggestions, your questions as you look at this podcast. We have done several, and this is actually part two. To one that we just finished on domestic violence and how it relates to sex trafficking. We have Dawn Jones with us again, and she is the former lieutenant with the Milwaukee Police Department and a sex trafficking expert when it comes to law enforcement. So we talked a lot in part one, and if you haven't seen it, please, I beg you to please look at part one. But we want to continue this discussion. Dawn, thank you once again. For sticking around for part two. You know, we were talking um, a little bit in the earlier episode about the Milwaukee Police Department and how it deals with sex trafficking or human trafficking cases, and how it deals with it in correlation with domestic violence, because they come together. And a lot of people don't realize that or don't see it. Um, and you were saying that training is definitely
1: needed in that, but with domestic violence, there's really no excuse. Exactly. And and training in detail and depth, not only on human trafficking, but on, on, on trauma victims and understanding trauma victims and why they react the way they do.
0: So as we move on to that, I'm just wondering is enough being done to handle what is coming to us? It seems like sex trafficking, I don't know if it's because we're talking about it more, or if sex trafficking is really exploding.
1: Well, I think being that I had the first investigation and arrest and conviction in the state of Wisconsin, I came from the ground floor up. I seen how Uh, officers, community members, advocates, uh, politicians responded to Mm -hmm. human trafficking and sex trafficking in particular. And it was an uphill battle that whole time. Now, you look, that was in 2007. Our first arrest and conviction for sex trafficking was in 2008. Our first state arrest and conviction was in 2009. And at that time, it was just uh, Detective Linda Stott and I conducting these investigations. Now they have several officers conducting these investigations, but it it appears that not even um, just in Milwaukee, but throughout the state, we've gone back eight years in mentality as law enforcement when it comes to responding to human trafficking. However, during that period of time, we've trained so many advocates and and. Uh, medical workers and doctors and psychiatrists and counselors that what we've seen now is the trend of trafficking cases stemming from those reports as opposed to us being proactive as law enforcement and finding and executing um, search warrants and um, making arrests based on our information we are getting information from others so it kind of is going in a a circle where we're not initiating it. We need to investigate it because we have all these people that have been able to identify it. And the more people that are able to identify it, the easier it is for, for, um, the, the predators to, um, be held responsible for yeah. their actions and the victims to become who they want to become. That's encouraging
0: that so many other players are getting into this. Um, I was talking to uh, Jennifer Williams. She's a former prosecutor with the Milwaukee DA's office. And she prosecuted a lot of sex traffickers. And she told this riveting story about this case of the uh, this trafficker on trial, 14-year-old victim on the stand. And um, she—well— uh, One thing that she really pointed out that really got me was she said if we would focus and take away the demand, then the rest of it would decrease. But we focus – our focus is not right, I guess is what she was saying. If we focus more on getting these johns um, instead of doing a sting where you're arresting a bunch of women – we would have a bigger impact. Are we shifting that at all?
1: I think that there are some things regarding customers of trafficking. For me, the shift should be solely on on them as opposed to the sex trafficker. Definitely the the customers and and the traffickers themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we did not have that demand we would not see the victims that we see. Right. And the problem with focusing on uh, somebody that is um, engaged in sex work, whether it be forcefully or on their own, is very seldom are they allowed to stay on their own if they're making money in an area that is controlled by a sex trafficker. So they're more than likely going to get hooked on drugs or beaten or raped, Um to set an example that you can't make money in my area because I'm a trafficker and I control this area. So the problem comes when a trafficker controls an area, especially in in the city of Milwaukee, and one of their um, workers gets arrested by police, mm-hmm. whether it be a citation or a state arrest. They're going to find somebody else. So we have a revolving door of victims who are very fearful of their trafficker, who may get locked up in the house of correction for a certain amount of time. They might. Um, some of them are addicted to drugs, and some of them were addicted to drugs because of their trafficker. And we had the London triplet who uh, had injected his girls twelve times what they were used to, but on the on the surface, to law enforcement and look may look like a heroin addict that's just out there engaging in prostitution and that's not what it was it was control through the addiction and we will see that very often where they don't even self identify as a trafficking victim because they blame themselves not only because of what the trafficker says but what society says and and their addiction so it has to be their fault so if law enforcement goes to uh, interview them regarding trafficking and they're not knowledgeable in the different types of controls and other evidence to look for to see if this individual is being trafficked, they won't identify. They'll say, okay, this is just somebody that's out here on their own that has an addiction. And that is one of the saddest places to be in because if that person gets locked up, I promise you that trafficker is not going to stop making money. So we're gonna see a creation of more victims right. and more uh, individuals that are addicted to drugs if that trafficker is a drug-induced trafficker. Whereas if the supply isn't there, he's not making money off of that or she's not making money off of that, that victim. And, and how is it that the penalties for a customer are so much less than the person trying to survive? It just blows my mind because, Mine too. yeah, Mine too. you know, they want not only to have sex with um, people that that can't afford to, to live or survive, but they want to have sex with our children, our children in, in, in uh, the city of Milwaukee, in the county of Milwaukee, in the state of Wisconsin, in the United States of America, and we still blame the victim of sex trafficking. Yeah, yeah
0: penalties for the johns a few couple of couple hundred
1: dollars yeah very seldom will you see uh, it can you can get a citation but a a lot of times they can go to John's school and get it expunged i've seen state arrests that have been pled down to disorderly conduct well it's great they can say they have a disorderly conduct on their record but you have a, a sex trafficking victim that has prostitution now you get a citation even if that citation for um, soliciting or loitering prostitution is dismissed, that's still being held against them. They can't get housing. They can't get into certain programs. They can't even get in certain jobs. And if they do get jobs, a lot of times their employers will think that they're going to get more than just uh, the work of the mm-hmm. job out of them because we've placed a stigma on the term prostitute and prostitution. So what would victims of Sex trafficking have to lose by being cited or arrested by police is much more than yeah. uh, than a john or a customer because they, you know that's just boys being boys and it's accepted in our society. That is not fair. It's not fair, and and it's not fair to controlling the problem.
0: Wow, is Milwaukee in any way tackling the
1: demand? I know that they've had uh, several. Um, stings where they've targeted the demand but not to the point that that they should i think that uh we really in each district we used to have um units at each district that would run their own operations and i i understand um them basing it out of one location but to say that it's for trafficking purposes is a a big Mm disjustice. I think you really need to go out there and send a message. And I've said this for many years. um, Arresting sex workers is ineffective for controlling prostitution. But you go after the traffickers, you go after the customers, and you're going to see an effect. You have um, cameras and lights, and um, you you put it out there that, hey, if you're here trying to purchase one of our people, for your sexual enjoyment, we are not going to put up with it. Let them go somewhere else and let's start educating our young children and our young boys and our young girls on uh, respecting our bodies and other people's bodies. And this is not okay. Let's let this be a new man thing instead of a, a good old boys thing where boys will be boys. Boys shouldn't be boys, boys should be men, right. and we should teach them how to do that. Wow. Yeah. You talk about boys, girls, teaching them. Some of your sex trafficker, are they minors? The sex traffickers themselves? Mm -hmm. So yes, some of them are are minors. And and, um, I had one sex trafficker that told me that he was uh, trafficking since he was 15 years of age. We've had cases where uh, the Um, because it's very generational here in Milwaukee, meaning that our fathers teach their sons, teach their nephews, their uncles, and it's all intertwined. And I recall one case where we arrested the son prior to arresting the father. He was not a, a child at the time. He was an adult. But in interviewing him, he really had no idea what he did wrong. His dad was the trafficker. His mom was um, the bottom, meaning the the one in control of the individuals that the trafficker is is uh, having engaged in prostitution. And from early on, he was taught this is normal. Wow. He thought that we were wrong for indicting him, even though what he did was just outrageous. And he sexually assaulted somebody, brought him, um, coerced him into coming from a different state, And uh, ruin that person's life. They'll never be the same. But he really never believed he did anything wrong. Wow. Because that's how he was raised. And I think that is a detriment to our society. One thing about Milwaukee is our community has such heart. And they truly are filled with amazing people who are very powerful people uh, once they realize it. Mm -hmm. And... We can change Milwaukee to a place that our children can grow up to become whoever they want to become and teach them to follow the right roads to get to that location. I've been very fortunate to have victims of trafficking become nurses and CNAs and physical therapists. Nice. I see the change. There never once has a victim been a prostitute or a whore to me. They have given me back more than I could ever give them. And all I had to do was listen and build a case. Yeah, It's not a lot to ask to help somebody become who they are meant to be in life.
0: And that's what it takes a lot of times, just being listened to, being heard. Being heard and not judged. Yeah, that's huge. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk more about Don taking this out of the country. This is interesting. Stay with us. We'll be back.
1: The 411 Live, your link to information. And now here's your food for thought. Why is he talking to you like that? Private. As parents, we all want to give our kids space. But how often do
0: we consider their phone conversations or their social media accounts? As much as it may annoy them, occasionally monitoring their profiles isn't a bad idea. The world of sex trafficking is a lot more alluring than you may think. Anyone can be vulnerable to the tricks used to exploit millions of girls and boys each year. It's a horrifying experience, and it isn't easy to talk about. Well, I always keep my eyes open. It's never too early to educate your kids on the issue of sex trafficking. For more information, visit the411live.org. What do you think of when you hear intercourse
1: for money? What do you think of when you hear exploitation of your body? What pops in your mind when you hear young boys and girls being sold for sex? Do you think of sex trafficking? You should. What movie do you see when you think of someone being kidnapped to become a product? Oh, come on now. We all know what we think of. It's that film of that father who had to go all the way overseas to rescue his daughter.
0: But wait, that's not just happening overseas. Try here, the United States of America.
1: Try here, the state of Wisconsin. Try here, the city of Milwaukee. Unknown to many, the Harvard School of Pimps in their holy training ground. Young girls and boys are being solicited at an average age of 13 years old. Didn't know that, did you? Research and learn the
0: signs of sex trafficking. Because you just might not know when your child's newest lover is their soon-to-be pimp. For more information, visit the411live.org. Welcome back to the 411 Live. Don Jones, former lieutenant with the Milwaukee Police Department, is here with us. And before we go out of the country, let me ask you one more thing about Milwaukee. Just curious. The traffickers. Do we have
1: female traffickers? We do have female traffickers here, and uh, some are respected by uh, the tra- uh, male traffickers. However, it's usually said this is a, um, a man's game, and no no one belongs in it. Which is why they have the emblem "Money over Bitches," meaning that money is more important than a female or wow. an individual that they're they're having trafficked. And um, and what we will see is with many of the, the female traffickers, they are even more violent to the victims than the male traffickers. Trying, I'm guessing, to prove themselves in in that community, in that environment, to show that they are just as good as a, a male trafficker.
0: Wow. Okay. So how did you um, end up going to Malaysia and
1: Mexico and... And Guam and and Guam, yeah, yeah. So I I um, am very very blessed and very fortunate in in what I do. And um, I went to Mexico and Malaysia twice to conduct presentations. Uh, both the audiences were officers, prosecutors, NGOs, and judges, and that was through. Uh, Karine Marino-Taxman, she's a U.S. attorney in the Eastern District. She's an amazing prosecutor, amazing person. And uh, just like me, she wants to save the world. And we're both crazy enough to uh, do the work everywhere. And and we put a lot of work into our presentations and into helping everybody see and understand what's going on. Uh, With Guam, I had worked with a a prior victim service uh person for FBI in Milwaukee and she's now stationed in Guam and when she could conduct the presentation she uh gave them my name so they've brought me out there twice to conduct presentations and it's interesting to see the different levels of trafficking in the in different countries what does it look like is it different so in Mexico they were m- very far behind in time in understanding trafficking, and they had a lot of hurdles to overcome. Definitely uh, domestic violence was uh, part of their their trafficking. They didn't necessarily identify. uh, But also in their country, if law enforcement has to use uh, physical uh, restraint, maybe they have to use uh, force to apprehend somebody or they end up having to um punch them they actually get put in um jail until until they're it's proven not to be a cr- criminal and that they were acting in their official capacity oh wow and the corruption there is is very big because the law enforcement does not get paid uh a lot of money so when it comes to these crimes if a trafficker wants to um wants law enforcement to look the other way very often they are are given money and they can look money. the other way, mm-hmm. um, but in Mexico the heart of the people there was so powerful. And realizing and and I was able to tell them several stories of victims from Mexico that were children that were brought to the United States and trafficked from their country, and that really hit home with them, and that that really hit them hard. So I um, believe that they. Are taking trafficking much more seriously. in In Guam, we see um, a very big correlation where uh, law enforcement did not and does not take a large uh, role in in fighting trafficking, and they're trying to change that. They had what was called a case called the Blue House, where uh, a child was brought from an island off of Guam to from Chuuk to Guam and. Uh, made to engage in trafficking. And mm-hmm. there were actually three officers that were arrested. And I don't believe the officers realized that they did anything wrong. They're like, well, I paid the $40 for the drink to have sex. I don't understand. And for Guam, that was a very, it was a very hard thing because who are they supposed to go to to fight these traffickers. Right, they can't go to law enforcement. They can't go to law enforcement they're, the customers. they're part of it. So law enforcement has taken a different role. And even though when they did an internal investigation, the department found that there was no wrongdoing, the community said, hey, no, there's something going on here. We want to see more. And, uh, and they ended up uh, charging and convicting two of the three officers regarding that. The th- third one got a... Um, a plea bargain he was very very new and not really involved in uh, the trafficking of them or confronting Mm -hmm. the victims because the law enforcement would say well you're not doing what you're supposed to do and you need to do that and and you better not run because i will find you and i think that's an important thing when you're looking at the totality of the circumstances and law enforcement regardless of where it is Mm I don't believe any law enforcement agency should investigate their own on any criminal matter. I think there should be an outside um, independent uh, group of individuals that conduct investigations that uh, will be able to do it without even uh, thinking twice about looking for the truth. Right. And, and, right. and we don't have that. And that's a, that's a sad thing. And it was a very sad thing in this case because it was several years that this was going on. And it was several years before the officers were even prosecuted. Wow.
0: Because if you're investigating yourself, even if you do, you're on the up and up, outsiders, you know, we're looking at it and going, mm,
1: nah, uh-uh. Yeah, exactly. but There's a trust
0: factor there.
1: There is a trust factor there. And it's very important. When, when somebody takes the the role of law enforcement you take it to um at least for me to make the world a better and, and do what's right everybody knew any investigation I was in I was going to treat the individuals involved whether they're a suspect or the victim like they were my family and I was going to find the truth and there is no um, intermediate there you have the truth and and that's what our community is is asking for and begging for. Right. You know, now in Malaysia, they have they have more than we have. It's just connecting the groups together. So they have their own human trafficking court, which was amazing because the judge understood human trafficking. When they do sentence they understand it. When the victims experience trauma effects in the courtroom, they understand that here we can have judges do trials and sentencing and they just don't get it right you know there was one judge where a 14 year old and a 17 year old ended up taking the stand in a trial and at the end of it he gave the trafficker 5 years that's ridiculous that's not even close to a plea bargain for trafficking two of our children if those were your children would 5 years be good enough good point you know especially when they're on um The jail calls talking about how this is a great thing, and I'm going to try and get that judge. That's very, very disheartening for that child knowing that she's not even going to be an adult before this person gets out. She won't even be able to get through her trauma and become who she was made to become before this person gets out. And they fear him. Speaking of that, there's been an evolution within the
0: court system, too, I would think, from... Light, very light sentences or plea bargaining down and that kind of thing to really some serious
1: jail time. Yes. When when I started investigating trafficking, we were getting 20-year plea bargains. And I've seen some very, very light sentencings and very light plea bargains on cases um, that just shouldn't be. When you talk about trafficking, you're not usually talking about one instance. You're talking about um, tens, hundreds, thousands of incidents where this individual has been sexually assaulted, and to see somebody get five years or three years it, for me that's ridiculous. Yeah, because then we should be charging each count, or we should charge it up higher, so people understand the control and and the amount of trauma that these victims have had to go through. Not to mention, you're not going to find all and talk to all the victims. In King Tut's case, we could have talked to eight more victims in that trafficking case. Wow. And when it came to Pim Snooky, we talked to a um, little over 20 and he admitted to having 300. Oh my gosh. So when you when you're talking about sentencing and and doing um what's right for mm-hmm. the community, you really have to understand the control of the trafficker and what they've they've conducted. When somebody um Annually rapes a child because they didn't collect the money because they've never engaged in prostitution and they didn't know it before, that should not be a seven-year plea bargain, right? That should be serious time because this is not something that uh, was an accident or there was a misunderstanding. You cause extreme trauma to this child with the intent to cause that extreme trauma to this child. And would do it again, and did actually do it over and over again after that incident. Wow! Because when you, uh, when I would cover at, as a
0: reporter would cover um, sexual assault cases, there would be one one victim, but there would be like seven incidents. So when you're talking about sex trafficking, a, a victim, they may have serviced what, five people in one day for who knows how many days, how many years. So if you took each count for each incident, that would go on forever.
1: Exactly. And then
0: you're talking about giving them like five years for something like that?
1: It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And I'll tell you, when, when we started trafficking, our traffickers were leaving the state because they knew that we were hitting them hard. Good. They said it was hot in Milwaukee. I don't, I don't hear that, that much anymore. Mm. And that's very disheartening, especially since most of my cases involve children. Yeah, And the thought that somebody can manipulate a child into giving up their, their livelihood and any dreams that they could have had and not get much of anything is very disheartening. And we're basically normalizing it in society. And at some point, we got to say, no, not here. We are better than this.
0: Right, right. And then those children, you think about their future, their lives, how that's, well, I won't say it's destroyed because they can move past it, but man, it's going to take a while. That trauma, all those things, all those hurdles that they have to work through because of what they've
1: gone through absolutely absolutely trauma is is very very difficult why that's why it's so important that people of authority understand trauma and treat the trauma victims well and unfortunately when it comes to certain people they don't understand that a trauma victim might start swearing at you or be angry at you and it's not because they're trying to fight you it's because they're so torn inside and scared whether they should trust you and tell you the truth Or that they should um, um, just keep quiet and go back with the trafficker because they don't know which consequence is going to be worse. Wow.
0: And they've got to test you a little bit, too. They've got to test you. Can I trust this person? Exactly. You know, I'll lash out if they're still here afterwards.
1: I had one young lady, she was 17, and she was calling me every name in the book. And um, by the end of our conversation... I was picking up her up at her house, and uh, we were talking, and got her services, and it was all a matter of her testing me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you can test me. I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> so, um, and and you know, she was. I found out she was pregnant, and she had been trafficked for many years, and all she needed was somebody to show that they cared and show show her where to go, what the right road was to take. Wow, wow.
0: Dawn, this has been great. I'm glad we got to sit down and really talk, besides being in that workshop and just stealing a few uh, few words. Uh, you have given us a great insight into a lot of things. So I thank you so much for coming. I thank you for having me. It's You're been been a amazing pleasure. as well. Thank you. Well this has been the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Thank you so much for joining us and listening in because this is very important to us. We want to spread the awareness about sex trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking, And put this issue at the forefront, as I've mentioned before. We have a lot of projects in store, and we need your help and your support in doing a lot of these things. Please go to our website, the411live.org. You can see how you can donate, how you can support us in all these efforts that we're trying to do. We want to do things with excellence, and we're asking you to come on this journey with us. We have many more podcasts to go, so look for us. And, of course, if you have more information or would like more information, go to our website, the411live.org. You can see this podcast and more information on our Twitter page. Uh, We've got Twitter. We've got Facebook. We've got Instagram. You can find us. So we want to thank you once again for joining us. This has been The 411 Live. Real people, real talk.